0: Hey, Praise Chapel Paramount! Welcome to our podcast. Hey, this message is from our very own evangelist David Diga Hernandez, and a message about committing to the Word. Also, if you haven't followed us on Instagram or Facebook, give us a follow at PC Paramount, and also check out our website at praisechapelparamount.com. It's loaded with information and resources constantly being updated. Enjoy this message. Amen. Can you give the Lord a hand of praise this evening? glad to be with you i'm excited that i get to preach the final i mean this is pretty much the final service of 2020. i don't know about you but i thought this has been an amazing year and i think it could be an amazing year as long as you have the right perspective and know that you belong to jesus so i want to welcome also those of you watching online god bless you from all over the place our live stream is doing really well and our live stream has been reaching more and more people Uh, especially during this season. And I want to encourage those of you watching right now to like, comment, and share. As you like, comment, and share, it does something in that demonic algorithm that will actually help us to get more exposure. I'm not saying necessarily that they suppress... Godly content but I have a suspicion that they do so like comment share like comment share do it throughout the entire broadcast help us spread the word and we welcome those of you watching online are you ready tonight to receive from the word of God I'm expecting a move of the Holy Spirit tonight of course I have my brother Mr. Stephen Moctezuma will be joining me here and is that David David this is a for those of you don't know that's David Hernandez actually can you sit back on the drums just in case you don't know You're you're in a plastic bubble and you're still wearing a mask in there. I don't understand that. I guess that extra layer of protection, David. But I am excited to be with you. I want to minister a simple message tonight. And it's just something that the Lord's really been leading me to talk about as of late. I want to talk to you about the benefits and the power and the results that come about when you commit to the Word of God. And I think that especially as we're entering into a new year, it's a time that people are beginning to make renewed commitments. Not that we need a date on a calendar to experience transformation, But it's just in our nature, that's how people are. So I figured I'd take advantage of the opportunity, especially while people are talking about such things. And I wanna talk to you about becoming someone who's committed to the word. Here's what we're gonna do tonight. I'm gonna minister this message. I'm gonna show you in scripture, some of the benefits that come about as a result to devotion to the word of God. And then I wanna pray for some people tonight. Let's believe for a move of the Holy Spirit tonight in this place. And let's believe for bondages to be broken sickness to be healed i'm praying that tonight the prophetic anointing would even flow and god would show me some things to speak to his people so are you ready tonight okay so if i were to ask you if you read the word few of you would be able to say and honestly so that you commit to reading the word of god on a daily basis that you're committed to getting into the word and understanding this book and letting those truths touch your heart, this commitment is the primary commitment that will shore you up against all sorts of assaults, all sorts of deceptions, and especially in a season like now, where there are so many voices, where there is so much chaos, where there is so much information coming at you from so many different angles, it can become confusing and it can become frustrating when you're trying to find the truth. But here the believer has a sure foundation. Here the believer has a solid rock upon which he can build his life. Here the believer has the assurance of knowing the truth. Here the believer has the grounding for proper perspective. It is only found in the Word of God. That grounding, that knowing of truth, that inner witness that you are standing on what is right and what is righteous, that only comes when you're committed to the Word. You're not going to hear truth coming in from news media. You're not going to hear truth coming in from cultural opinion. You're not going to hear truth being spoken during political rhetoric. You will hear the truth when you get into the Word of God. The Word of God has the answers. The Word of God can ground you. It's time to know the Word of God like never before. It's time to memorize this book, to read it, to quote it, to devote to it, to go deeper. I don't know about you, but I want to be someone who knows the Word so well that if I were ever to be in prison for practicing my faith, I would still be able to devote to the Word of God by memory. You know there are some believers that can actually do that? When you hear about many of the martyrs or those who were imprisoned for their faith, they would actually pass around scriptures on little pieces of paper They would memorize that piece of paper and then pass it on to the next person. And many of them memorized entire chapters, some of them entire books of the Bible, by simply looking at those pieces of paper. That's passion for the Word. That's devotion to the Word. I want to know that Word like that. Now, a couple of years ago, when we first started building this TV studio that we built in Cerritos, California, just 10-15 minutes away from here, Uh, we, we actually built the studio in a business park. And a business park is basically like an apartment complex for businesses. There's different people who have units next door to one another. And so when we first moved into the business park, we had scouted that area, we looked around, we made sure that it was quiet, we talked to all the neighbors, we got to know all of the businesses to make sure that when we were moving in, we weren't moving into a business park with high levels of noise. And so we move in, we start building the studio. I'm telling you, we started investing like good money into making this thing professional, top grade so that we can reach the world. And I, what was it, Steve? Like a week after we start construction, the neighbor moves out and then this mechanic sets up his auto shop right next door. (laughs) So we bought him out eventually, like after like, nine months of wheeling and dealing and contracting but I went over there to make friends with him you got to make friends if you want to make sure you're gonna get a good deal so I went over to make friends with him and it turns out that this man was a Muslim and so on on my lunch break sometimes I would go over to his office and he and I would sit across from one another he would read the Quran and try to convert me to Islam I would read him the Bible and try to convert him to Christianity, and we would have hours and hours of conversation. Steve would come in, and sometimes Reuben would come in, and we would trade off. They would trade off. You know, they had like different assignments. Okay, you, it's it's your shift now. You go in with Diga and go next door there, and so we went back and forth. But something struck me about this man who was next door to us. Now I don't believe that Islam is the truth. We know that there's only one way. His name is Jesus. Okay. But, but that doesn't mean you can't be respectful and loving to people who believe differently than you. So I will tell I told him straight up, I said, I don't believe what you believe. I think you are wrong. You need Jesus, you need to repent. I preached the gospel to him and he would preach his message right back to me. But something struck me about this man. This man knew the Quran better than most Christians know the Bible. In talking with him, I realized that he was able to quote verses from his Quran. He was able to convey concepts to me very clearly. And he began to teach the Quran. He began to try to persuade me. He began to expound upon his belief system. And I realized that in the Muslim community, as I started to get to know this man more, That generally speaking if you're a Muslim you know the Quran and I thought about how that was inverted in American Christianity that in America at least in this culture that when you go to the average church you're going to find that at least 70 to 80% and this is anecdotal I haven't done any scientific research or polling but just in what I'm able to tell that 70 to 80% of believers do not know the word They do not know the Word or they are not committed to the Word consistently. I've talked to many atheists, in fact, who know the Word of God better than some Christians know the Word of God. Think about the fact that we say we believe in God, we believe this book is truth, we believe this book is inerrant, we believe this book has all of the answers, we believe this book can help ground us in reality, we believe this book can help transform us and make us more like Christ, yet we don't read it. I think that the early church would be horrified to find that people profess to be Christians yet do not devote to the Word of God. I think that the martyrs would be shocked. They would, they would be saddened. It would be a great tragedy in their mind to look at the state of the church today and find that most Christians don't know the Word. You want to know why you're so inconsistent. You want to know why you can't get control over your emotions. You want to know why you're so easily offended. You want to know why you're so confused. It's because you're not grounded on the solid foundation that is the Word of God. it's, It's the very base that we must do if we want to be, if we want to be rooted in Him it's the very first line it's that very first step everyone in this room should have a devotion to god's word at the very least on a daily basis at the very least on a daily basis i I think it should be morning noon and night like meals and then extra reading on the weekends if you want to i think that the word of god should be a part of the believer's life and in fact i'm going to show you how powerful this word is by showing you in the scripture now if you go to luke 5 15 this is what the bible says but despite jesus's instruction the report of his power spread even faster now listen to this very carefully luke 5:15, and a vast crowd came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases think about the fact that jesus would draw crowds with only two things. It says it right here, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. There was a there was two ways that Jesus built the ministry. That was the word and the miracles. You can build a whole ministry off of that. You can build a whole life off of that. You can build a whole marriage off of that. That's what marriages need. Marriages need the word and marriages definitely need miracles. But this is how Jesus structured everything. This is how Jesus lived. He was a man of the word. He was a man committed to knowing this scripture. He was a man committed to to memorizing and meditating upon the truths found within the word of God. And it's that word that attracts people. You come to our services, people come from all over the world. I was just explaining to this, uh, to, to some of our partners, I did a partner call we had many of our partners logged on uh, who support the ministry. And I was showing them, I was reporting to them about some of the events that we've done. And we were reporting that people line up. Guys, here in California, people line up two to three hours before the service even starts. There's a line going around the block. And then by the time we start the service, some people can't even get into the building. And I'm telling you this, I promise you they're not coming to see me. I promise you they're coming for two things the Word and the power of God and that's how Jesus built the ministry he he taught the Word when you know the Word when you give of that substance when when you go deep into that Word and you feed people spiritually in that way it draws them the Word attracts people it's the key to building a ministry it's 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 the power of God unto salvation it's that gospel message It helps you to know God's voice and nature. It brings that power upon your life. We must go from reading the Word to studying the Word. From studying the Word to meditating on the Word. From meditating on the Word to obeying the Word. Only when you begin to obey the Word can you receive from the Word. And when you begin to receive from the Word, by experience, you can declare the Word. When you begin to devote to the Word of God, number one you'll walk free from sin. I've given this illustration before here but I'll use it again because it applies. Imagine I go to the doctor and I tell them that I'm just not feeling well, I feel tired and fatigued and I just, I feel like my strength is wasting away and I have no energy and The doctor, of course, is going to go down a very basic list of things. If you go for your checkup or if you go to complain about something, they're going to go and they're going to say, how's your diet? How's your exercise? How's your sleep? And if you told your doctor, well, I don't ever really sleep. I don't ever really exercise. And I haven't eaten in the past four days. He's going to say, well, there's your problem. Go home, do that. If the problem persists, then come back and talk to me. You see, we want our problems to be a little more complicated or we want our problems to not be that simple. We want it to be some spiritual thing. We want to blame some imaginary curse or some imaginary force coming against us. And here's the problem. Most of what we blame on the demonic is actually just due to an undisciplined flesh. We say, pray for me. Just break the curse. Just break this out of my life. No, no, no. You need to just go home and eat spiritually. You would be amazed at how many of your problems are solved. You would be amazed at how, how how very few times you actually find yourself in crisis. There are some people who are of the mindset that life is just supposed to be this chaotic thing, and the reality is, is that that's not how God created you to live. You would be astonished to find that if you just became a person of the Word, that things would begin to line up and you wouldn't need counseling every other week. You wouldn't need deliverance every other week. You wouldn't need someone to come and pray over your house every other week. Instead, you would find that as you begin to do the spiritually basic things, that then you have your foundation and everything else would begin to align. We are so superstitious that we wanna blame some warfare in the air, not realizing it's just a lack of discipline in the word. Psalm 1911 says I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you do you realize that when you become a person of the word the sin that once tempted you will disgust you you won't listen those of you struggling with sin you have to hear this when you become a person of the word you will go from being tempted by it to being disgusted by it. You will lose the desire for that thing if you become a person of the Word. Did you hear what I said? You will, you will lose that that desire itself. The, the, the nature flaw in you that even produces that desire in the first place will begin to die the moment you begin to become a person of the Word. I have hidden your Word in my heart Why? That I might not sin against you. I don't want to sin against you. How do I avoid it? I get in the Word. I'm telling you, the worse the problem is with the flesh, the more of the Word you need in your life. How are you supposed to defeat that habit you've been dealing with for decades with just the verse of the day? you supposed to defeat that thing that has really rooted itself in you by reading half of a chapter or two every three days How how are you going to uproot that deep problem with shallow devotion it can't be done you want freedom you want liberty it's time you begin to decide to take the steps that bring you out of bondage by getting in the word well what did jesus say he said you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. You won't have to have anybody lay hands on you if you're just in your word. You'll walk free from sin, that's number one. Number two, you will prosper in all you do. Now let me say this right off the bat, especially for those of you who will take these clips online. There's at least two or three watching right now, I guarantee just to watch to see what I say, so they can take it and make a negative video out of it. There are people, trust me, they're everywhere. I call them the I call them the internet theologians. Some of you, some of you got that. Internet theologians or pseudo-intellectuals, as I call them. But 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 there's people who watch it. So I gotta be very, very careful here. But let me let me make this very clear. I don't believe the prosperity gospel. The prosperity gospel teaches that I serve God strictly for what I can get from him. Prosperity gospel says, I serve God for what I can get. But the true gospel says, because God gave his life, so will I. So I believe in giving yourself. I believe trials will come. I believe there'll be all sorts of things that come against us. But the reality is that biblical prosperity is promised in the word. What's biblical prosperity? Not when you're living in a big mansion. God may give some of you a mansion. Not when you're driving a Lamborghini. If you want to give me a Lamborghini, by all means do it. I won't argue with you. But not everyone's gonna drive a Lamborghini. Not everyone's gonna wear the finest clothes. Not everyone's gonna dine in the nicest restaurants. That's not prosperity, that's financial ability. That's different. Biblical prosperity is when God meets your every need and when he gives you enough left over to obey his commands of generosity that's biblical prosperity that that my needs are met and I can be a help to others how are we supposed to fulfill the command to feed the hungry clothe the naked take care of the orphan take care of the widow if we don't have the resources to do it you see the commands that are in the New Testament concerning generosity assume that God has prospered you so I believe in biblical prosperity not the twisted theology but having said that the word of God is what brings that about watch this Joshua 1.8 Turn there now Joshua 1:8 Study this book of instruction continually Meditate on it day and night so you will be sure to obey everything written in it Only then will you prosper and succeed in all you do When you obey the word you prosper when You obey the word God positions you for prosperity I'll even say this. Biblically speaking, God doesn't want you drowning in debt. What does the Bible say? That the borrower is slave to the lender. Some of you say, how true that is. Think about the word mortgage. Mort, mortuary, morbid, morgue, anything to do with death. Death. Gage is a grip. Mortgage is a death grip. It's not freedom. And I'm not saying if you have a mortgage, you're not living in God's prosperity. What I'm saying is the concept of debt is that the scripture talks about God bringing you out of it by following wisdom and practical steps. You know the Bible talks about finances. You know the Bible gives you the keys to coming out of that. That's not the message of the gospel, but those are doctrines you will find in the scripture. And so when you devote yourself to the word, you become someone who prospers in all that you do. No, I did not say you'll all be a billionaire or a millionaire, but I did say God will prosper you and that's what the bible teaches number three and this is very important you'll walk in truth you'll be free from self-deception there is no deception as dark as self-deception our politics our cultural mindsets our family thought patterns our superstitious thinking All of these things are blind spots. I can't tell you how many times I've gone through the Word and saw something that contradicted what I believed and then went, oh, I was wrong. And I have to change my mindset according to the patterns of the Word of God. But when you know the Word, it liberates you to know the truth. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there is a way which seemeth right unto a man but the end thereof are the ways of death. James 1:22 says, "But be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves." The things we tell ourselves, how we are so easily swayed by every whim, every thought, every new doctrine, every new idea, every new trend is dangerous. We have to know the Word so that we can be free from all of that deception, I- including demonic deception. Look at 1 Timothy 4.1. This is terrifying. This is a terrifying verse. 1 Timothy 4.1. I- I'll say it better. This is a sobering verse. 1 Timothy 4.1. Now, the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last times, some will turn away from the true faith. So if they're turning away from the true faith, it means they were in the faith. Now watch this they will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons you guys it's right there in the word you know you hear these reports of these pastors going online and saying you know I'm taking another look at my faith and here's some things I'm changing now I understand repentance according to the Word of God but the Word of God doesn't change just because culture does and not everything that's changed is progress and so you get these, these popular singers and worship leaders saying, I no longer believe this, I'm leaving the faith, and I'm more of a spiritual believer in God now, or or these pastors who say, Well, let's do away with this and that, and that was for another time. And they they call it deconstructing their faith. They're following doctrines of demons. And the problem is that it's possible to be swept up in that deception. Number four, you'll walk in faith. Is this blessing you tonight? Number four, you'll walk in faith. Romans 10:17 says, So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. So let's put context on this. This verse is specifically talking about faith for salvation that comes about as a result when I hear the gospel message. This is not a verse that applies. Or necessarily universally to all things that we hear that produce our faith but the principal takeaway is simply this the word will give you the faith for what it promises the word will give you the faith for what it promises I can't tell you how many times I've read the word and I know a promise of God or I've heard a promise of God but then I read it in a fresh way I read it again And something in me is inspired to believe again you're lacking in faith you you have trouble thinking about the future you have trouble believing that anything good could ever happen I tell people first of all turn off those demonic news networks tune them out and instead turn to the Word of God and let it inspire faith in you not fear let it inspire truth in you that will cause you to step forward into the destiny that God has given you. Some of you stop believing that God can do it again. Some of you have stopped believing that God can take you to higher places. Some of you have stopped believing that God can do the miracle. Why are we freaking out? Why are we worried? As if, as if your job was ever really your source. As if the government was ever really your source. Do you know who my source is? It's God. He's the one who takes care of me. He, He can take care of me through those things, but even though he takes care of me through those things, that sustenance, that blessing comes from him directly. He's my father. Why are you freaking out? Why are you worried? What are you so worried about? Why are we so afraid? I'll tell you why we're afraid. We're not in the word. Some of you are afraid, well, am I going to be able to feed my children? I don't know. Does the Bible say I've never seen the righteous forsaken, nor is children begging for bread? Well, uh, uh, do I have, do I have, do I, how's my future? Is my future going to be bright? Well, what does the Bible say? Does it not say I've given you a hope and a future plans to prosper you and not to harm you? Isn't that what the Word says? You're worried about what you'll wear, what you'll eat. Didn't Jesus say not to worry about those things? Don't worry. Instead, get in the Word. Let it produce faith and Claim the promises of God for your life. Have faith. Only believe. You say, how do I do that? Get in the word because it produces faith. Number five, you'll walk in wisdom. We need wisdom. Psalm 119, verse 130. There's a lot of verses in here. Omar, where are you? Remember when we used to have to write this in school? Omar and I went to a a private Baptist school we had to write Psalm 119 over and over and over again. And every time I read it, I just, I don't know, I get this feeling. But it's the Word of God, so we turn to it. So Psalm 119, 130 says, the teaching of your word gives light so even the simple can understand. I kind of count myself in there sometimes. Sometimes I move too fast for God to be able to speak. And and when I'm in the word, I slow my day down and I get the wisdom of God. Wisdom is one of the ways that God speaks. He speaks to His Word. Yes, that's the more sure word of prophecy. He speaks to His Holy Spirit, to your spirit. And He also speaks through wisdom. Wisdom is a voice of God. Uh, You know, I I didn't see the sky split open and God say, Diga, create your own app and create your own servers so that you can beat censorship from the government. No, I just saw trends happening and wisdom pulled me to make those moves. Sometimes wisdom just guides you. Wisdom is a voice of God, and and wisdom comes when when I'm in the Word. The more I'm in the Word, the more I'm inclined to wise decisions. Some make decisions out of anger. Some make decisions out of pride. Some make decisions out of fear. What we need to do is make decisions based on wisdom, and wisdom comes from the Word of God. Number six, you'll walk in peace. Psalm one nineteen one sixty five 165 says this, Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. I love that second part. Let's read it again. Psalm one nineteen one sixty five: 165, great peace have they, who has this peace? they which love thy law those who love your word and nothing shall offend them it's very difficult to offend people of the word are you easily offended you need to get in the word you're not walking in the wisdom of the word you're not walking in the strength of your identity grounded in the truth found in the word you're, you people can upset you when they insult you because you take their insults to heart because you don't know your identity. And you don't know your identity because you haven't read it in the Word. You know why? You know why people are offended? People are offended because they don't know who they are. And there's this saying that says, you'll see often the dogs barking at the moon, but you'll never once see the moon barking back at the dog. Now, first of all, the moon doesn't bark, we know that. But the saying is simple. And it means that why, why am I gonna even bother with that? When you know who you are, you don't even bother with it. Eh, Just let it go. Someone cuts you off, nah, they can have it. If it means that much to you, take it. That's what it means that those who love the Word of God are not easily offended. We're not easily riled, not easily upset, not easily moved. Why? Because we're grounded on this, the Word of God. The Word brings perfect peace, chaos all around, peace within. That disturbing Sense of foreboding that comes over those who are in the world is not something the believer has to experience. Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Number seven, you'll walk in strength. Psalm 119.28 says this, my soul melteth for heaviness. Strengthen thou me a According unto thy word, my soul melteth, it melteth. What what, what is it saying here? What does it mean, melt? It's talking about breaking down or being crushed under the weight of heaviness. I'll give you an example. This was Aria's first, Chris's, my daughter. This is actually probably the first um, time that she was able to enjoy the presents and the gifts and all those things. But um, when my wife had put the gifts under the tree, she went, I don't know why she has this thing, she likes to sit on things. So some of you will see her on this step. She'll come up and she'll just sit there and she'll just be there for 10 minutes just sitting. And so she was going and she was sitting on all the gifts. And the problem was some of them didn't have much in them and so she just crushed it. And we had to explain Aria, those are not chairs. You you can't sit on them. And I noticed that the ones that had something in them weren't crushed under the weight when she sat on them. And see, this is what it's like in the spirit. I had to work her in somehow. This is what it's like in the spirit realm. When when people face that heaviness, my soul melteth for heaviness, strengthen thou me according unto thy word. If there's no substance in you, you'll crumble under pressure. Why are you falling apart? Why is it so heavy? Why is the weight so so, so destructive in your life, it's because you're not in the Word. You realize that when you're in the Word, the weight and the tension of life that comes on you, for whatever that is, you can experience that weight from many different sources. When that weight comes on you, if the Word's not in you, you'll crumble. It will crush you. When there's no substance in you, you are crushed by the weight of the world. If you're spiritually hollow, you can't carry the weight of trials. When I get in the Word, I'm adding strength to my spirit. Every verse I'm reading is strengthening me. Yes, even the genealogies. Everything you read is strengthened. You'd be amazed at what you can find in the genealogies. You would be astounded at what you can find in the genealogies. Because the genealogies, for example, don't just express, uh, you know, so-and-so begat so-and-so begat so-and-so. It it shows you who God used in the plan of salvation to save all of humanity. And you look at all the backgrounds and the stories and you recognize that God can really use anyone. That's just one angle you can come at it. But my point is, there's nothing in the word that you need to skip. Every verse is feeding you. Every verse is adding to your understanding. Every verse, every word that you pour over, God is recognizing, God is looking and seeing that you're devoting to that word and the Holy Spirit will give you understanding. Jesus said that those who don't do anything or those who refuse to understand, their understanding, what little they have, will be removed from them. But those who continue to steward that revelation, the scripture teaches us that he'll continue to teach them more. When you reverence the Word of God, when you you allow yourself to pour over the Scripture and you allow that Scripture to get in your heart, what's happening is you're you're stewarding that revelation and the Holy Spirit says, now I can teach them. The Holy Spirit teaches you according to what Jesus has said, according to the Word of God. How is He supposed to teach you if you're not looking at the material? So that's number seven, you'll walk in strength. Number eight. And this one, I really want you to, to get tonight because this is, we're gonna go a little deeper right now. I wanna, talk, I wanna talk about the issues of the soul deep within. Number eight, you'll walk in vulnerability toward God. So to recap so far and then I'll, I'll go over number eight. Number one, you'll walk free from sin. Number two, you'll prosper in all you do. Number three, you'll walk in truth. Number four, you'll walk in faith. Number five, you'll walk in wisdom. Number six, you'll walk in peace. Number seven, you'll walk in strength. And number eight, you'll walk in vulnerability toward God. Look at this verse. This is an astounding verse. Hebrews 4, 12. For the the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword cutting between soul and spirit between joint and marrow it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires this is so key it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires i read that verse and my first thought was exposes my innermost thoughts and desires to who the scripture teaches that jesus when the pharisees had their wicked thoughts he knew exactly what they were thinking Psalm 139 teaches us that there's nowhere we can go without God being present and seeing it. God knows the heart. God looks at the heart. God knows the mind. God knows the thoughts. God knows what's in you. So I looked at that, I thought, how is it possible that this exposes? How does the word expose my innermost innermost thoughts and desires if you already know it? The word of God doesn't expose our innermost thoughts and desires to God. The Word of God exposes our innermost thoughts and desires to us. As we begin to read the Word of God, it shows us our mindsets, emotions, and character flaws that need to be removed. It makes you say, Lord, examine me. Remove this from me. When you begin to study the Word of God, if you keep reading long enough, there's going to be something where you go, oh, for me it's like about 10 to 15 of them a day. And I'm like, "Holy Spirit, I can't even I, like I'm I, like, you know, I, I let me work on one thing first before I have to." And then sometimes I lose track of all the things I need to work on in my character and nature. And it can be overwhelming. So I say, "Holy Spirit, please remember and then remind me of this when the situation arises." But as you're reading the word, something's happening. You're 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 you're, you're your nature is being reflected back at you, and God speaks to you. I want to. I want to fix that. I want to remove that. I want to adjust that. I want to take care of that. And that is what happens when I when I read the Word. My my innermost thoughts and desires are exposed before God and and before me, and and it causes me to say, God created me a clean heart. It causes me to say, God make me willing to obey you. It causes me to say, God remove this from me and make me more like Christ in that area than I've ever been. I want to be more like Jesus today than I was yesterday, and that comes when I read the Word. Think about what happened with Isaiah the prophet. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah's working in the temple. The glory of God shows up. He sees the train of God's robe fill the temple. These strange angelic beings are terrifying him and flying around. And all of this is happening, this heavenly activity before him. And he doesn't look at it and say, wow, what wonderful splendor of God's glory. What does he say? He says, woe is me. Uh, some of you need to catch this tonight. He says, he says, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. He, he begins to see something in his nature that disturbed him. When the glory of God showed up, he saw something in himself that disturbed him. See, some of you are getting more frustrated with yourself than you've ever been. Some of you are beginning to sense that angst about some of your own character flaws. And because of you noticing these flaws more so now than ever before, you might imagine that God is distancing himself from you. You might imagine that you're failing spiritually. What's actually happening is the light of God's glory is coming closer to you and exposing the details and the flaws. God isn't distancing himself. He's drawing you closer, and the light of his word is revealing things in your heart. So you say, well, why why am I so frustrated with myself? Why am I so, like, you you start to get nitpicky with all these things. And I'm not talking about self-hatred. I'm talking about just this drive and, wow, I didn't notice that. Oh, I need to fix that. I need to work on that. What's happening is the word of God that has been spoken over your life is beginning to manifest and that light is beginning to shine. You may see it as... Regression or you going backwards, but that's actually not regression. That's progress because when you become frustrated with the flesh, it drives you to go to the Word and say, "God, I need to get these things straight." You walk in vulnerability toward God. You you begin to love what He loves and hate what He hates, even about yourself. You you begin to say, "God, I, I need transformation. Things that things that you tolerated." years ago, and they might not even be that big of a deal, but things that you tolerated before, suddenly you don't even want to be around them. Things in your character and in your nature that you said, well, you know, I used to let it go, or that's how I am, and now it's just driving you to pray around the Word. That's because progress is being made, because God's glory is coming closer. Why? Because the Word is having an effect on your life. How many received something this evening? My challenge to you tonight, I'm not going to do an altar call because um, I want to pray for... Well, technically I will, but not for this message. Here's the altar call. Commit to the Word. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound like a little um, salesman here right now, but I assure you this company is not paying me, nor do they know I'm even promoting their product here. There's an app I found that works really well and it's perfect timing going into 2021. Some of you are like, get me out of 2020, please. But like I said, it's all perspective. There's an app called uh, Yearly, and you can go to your app store and just type in you know, Bible reading plan or something like that. And you'll see an app that comes up yearly. It looks like um, it's, it's just the Y, oh, you can't see it there, maybe on the camera they can. It's just the Y, and it's like this pinkish, orangish app. It's called Yearly. If that's not the one you get, get an app, get something. But this needs to be the year that you, you finish the Bible from front to back. If you haven't done that yet and you've been saved, this that's a that's a major issue, it's a major issue. There should be no reason why every believer hasn't read the Word of God multiple times over from Genesis to Revelation, Genesis to Revelation, Genesis to Revelation, skipping nothing. And this isn't to shame you This is to push you, to inspire you, to encourage you, to claim that this is that year. How many will say, I'm I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna make God's word a priority in my life. Let me see your hand. So just lift your hands all across this room. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your word. And I pray today, Lord, that you would begin to touch your people. And Lord, I pray you touch each and everyone watching in the name of Jesus. Touch them and heal them, I pray deliver them and break every addiction and bondage. Holy Spirit, light that passion, the fire of your word in their lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. I want you to say it because you believe it, say amen. Well, those of you watching online, we love you. God bless you. Can we just hear it one more time for those watching online all over the United States and the world, God bless you guys. Don't forget to join us. Sundays, 9 and 11 a.m., Wednesdays at 7.30 p.m. Follow us on whatever platform you're watching us, but make sure get down here, connect. We want you to be a part of this family. And until next time, remember nothing is impossible with God. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount, or visit our website at Praise Chapel Paramount dot com.